Obviously on this show, we tend to focus on outdoor travel and adventures around the state. And today's episode is different, but it's not. Yes, we are featuring a destination spot, but it may not exactly be what you're expecting. And that's the whole point. Have you ever dreamed about skydiving out of the back of a plane or base jumping off the edge of a massive cliff, but have never been willing to take the risks that come along with it? Well, today is your lucky day. Today on the Travel Utah podcast, we're taking you to a virtual world that allows you to fulfill those dreams of flying with all the adrenaline and all of the rush without any of the risk. Today, we're talking to James Jensen, creator of Jump, a hyper-reality experience like you have never seen before, based right here in Bluffdale, Utah. My name is Matt Linton, and I'm a filmmaker. Since 2007, I have shot and produced promotional videos for the travel and tourism industry all over the state of Utah. Over those years, I've learned that the more I explore the incredible destinations that this state has to offer, the more I recognize that I haven't even scratched the surface. There is so much more to do and see here than people realize. The Travel Utah podcast was created to shed some light on the endless array of amazing things there are to explore in this incredible state and to help you plan your next adventure. So come with me and let's travel Utah. Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of the Travel Utah Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Linton, and I have to say that today's episode is one you're going to be very glad that you listened to. Over the past several months, I've been eagerly following the development of a project that I found on LinkedIn that combines a lot of things that really interest me. Uh, Augmented reality, virtual reality, immersive entertainment, cutting edge technology, uh, 3D photogrammetry and 3D modeling mixed with adventure and adrenaline. I've always wanted to skydive or base jump with a wingsuit that allows you to come as close to flying like a bird as you can possibly get. But like many of you, I've never followed that desire for obvious reasons. Well, my guest today, James Jensen, has created the perfect solution for people like me. As the creator and co-founder of The Void, the immersive entertainment experience, and as a leader in the visual effects world of the film and gaming industries for over 20 years, James has now created an experience that is referred to as hyper-reality that allows visitors to experience the joy of flying without any of that risk. James, thank you for being on the show here today with me. I appreciate you taking some time to speak with me. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks for the awesome introduction. (laughs) It's great. I'm happy to be here and to chat about what we're doing. Awesome. Okay, so first off, you went to school here in Utah. Um, You, as far as I understand, you were born and raised here, correct? Pretty much. I was I was born in Sandy, and then my parents moved to Oregon to to open uh, to start up another farm out there with my dad's parents. Um, I lived out there until I was about 12, and then we moved back to Utah. So I've been here for the majority of my life. I'm 46 now, so. Right. Okay. So they went there to, to, to farm. Yeah, they did. My grandparents were the supplier for Wrigley's uh, for all of their mint. And really, my father helped with that. And then he, um, he started his own farm doing sugar beets and corn out there. And I was kind of raised on a farm until I was 12. Wow. And so secluded. I had, I have, have four brothers. <laughs> so. Very interesting. It's it's interesting to see somebody that has come from a background like that and then ended up in the technology world. You know, it's similar to like Philo T. Farnsworth, who grew up on a farm in Idaho and ended up in, you know, inventing the television and everything that went along with that. And so very, yeah, very fascinating. I did not know that. Very cool to know. Yeah. 
It's fun. I I wasn't uh, very excited to be a farmer, so I'm glad that <laughs> I moved. We moved here when I was 12, and I got into technology. And yeah, very thankful for the path. But you know, some of my greatest memories are when I was a child. You know, on the farm playing in the dirt. So it was it was great. Yeah. So you've started multiple technology companies um, here in the state of Utah, and you just talked about kind of your upbringing. Tell us about your childhood and what led into this career that you've you've developed for yourself. You know, I, you know, as far as my childhood goes, we grew up pretty secluded from, um, you know, the outside world at that time. I mean, our nearest neighbors were like two miles away and I had four brothers. And so we we're all really good friends. Um, but I think what was the most impactful is just seeing my, my dad's entrepreneurial spirit with a farm. Like a farm is something that you risk every year. Like betting on the farm is a literal thing that they do. Like right. you, you know, you, you take out huge loans to get, uh, seeds and to get new equipment every year. And then you hope that your crops come through and you make a profit in the year. And so, um, my dad never really lost that entrepreneurial spirit. Even when he moved here to Utah, he did, he did kind of like throw his hat in on, on farming, but you know, at the end of his farming career, he was going to turn our farm in Oregon into a resort because, the river that went right in front of it was uh, uh, famous for its brown trout. So he was going to turn it into a resort and have people fly out there. And he had plans for all of that. And I think I got, you know, the starting foundation of my entrepreneurial spirit from my father. <laughs> That's awesome. So then yeah. when when in your childhood did, did this technology side of you come out? When did you start discovering this type of stuff and, and that you were interested in it and passionate about it and, you know, gifted and working with it? So my dad was also an oil painter, and so he actually taught me how to oil paint, and I really fell in love with being an artist. And so I was a traditional artist uh, through school, and I got into I did oil painting, and I got into airbrushing, mm -hmm. which led me into doing, if you know anything about airbrushing, you get into photorealism pretty quick. So I started doing portraits, right. and then um, I started working for a couple of design firms that were having me do illustration work for books. And that's when I converted over to Photoshop and the digital world. And I found the undo button and I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> undo button is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've got a personal experience with that, with my mother-in-law trying to touch up some photos and yeah, made some big mistakes on it and was worried that she'd destroyed it and had me come in and <laughs> showed her the undo button. And she was, she was very, control uh, Z, control Z. Yep. <laughs> we, we did a lot of control Z's in a row to get it back to where it was yeah. before, but um, yep. that's, that's awesome. So that, that transition from oil painting to, you know, the digital creation of, of art, that that's really cool to kind of hear about that, that there was that tr transition from one to the other. Yeah. That, that moved into, you know, me working at design firms, uh, eventually doing computer animation and visual effects, got into three dimensional world and programming. Um, and then I broke off from those design agencies, created my own design agency called Sandman Studios right. and did Hollywood film effects and stuff like that. And then, and then finally realized that I was really an entrepreneur and I wanted to bring things into reality that didn't exist. And so that's where all of that, all the foundational stuff came from. I think the most important thing through that whole process is the relationships I created with individuals through that process that are allowing me to do the things that I want to do to date. Right. So like you just mentioned, you worked for many years in the visual effects industry, um, including doing Hollywood, gaming. Um, 
work. Tell us about how you arrived specifically into that. Like what, what was it that finally got you in that door and what you, again, you just kind of alluded to some of this. What were some of the most important things you learned there that have carried you on to where you are today? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a, that's a really convert cool conversion story. Like I, I, you know, I always wanted to do stuff like this and I got really, it was a time when I was doing some illustration work for a design firm and they walked me through their facility and they took me into this room and they're like, Oh, here's this amazing computer that we have here that does computer animation, 3d stuff. And, um, you know, it's soft homage. I don't know if you know what soft homage is, but all the amazing films are created with that back in the day. And they said, if you know anybody that knows how to run this, let us know because we're looking for somebody. And I was like, well, I'll run it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I ended up taking this stack of books. It was like, if you look at the books back then, it was a huge stack of books. These books were like two inches thick and there was probably 10 of them. (laughs) And I just took them home and I started reading and I went into, I went in there in the evenings, um, you know, after my job and just learned how to do 3D animation stuff. I started doing logo animations and eventually the company that, that had me, um, you know, take the books home, uh, saw that I could do work and, and then I, um, started doing work for them. And then they sent me to school and, uh, you know, for some more training. So I went through that whole process it was awesome. That how I, that's how I got introduced into 3d animation. I just wanted to do it really mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> and then from working at design firms, I created my own agency, Sandman studios, and we started doing, uh, visual effects that was several years after uh, right. for some Hollywood films and through one of those projects we were doing blue screen motion capture stuff where the director could see uh, you know a virtual world mixed with the not virtual but like a digital world mixed with the with the real actors in right, real time action. on a blue screen right like it's the stuff they do all the time now but back right. then it was new and when I saw that happening on the screen, I was like, man, I want to be inside of the computer. And that's really what inspired uh, the void to, you know, come to life over a few years. You know, and that and that's something uh, you and I talked when we met in person that we both went to Utah Valley University. Um, I graduated there in film. And I, I have always been fascinated with motion capture. In fact, I did a project specifically on, I did a presentation on motion capture and rotoscoping and all that and you know the the music video from aha back in the 80s of of rotoscoping like to this day to me is the coolest music video ever made so that 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 stuff that that um and and that's you know it seems like it was new technology then i mean that's technology that goes back to walt disney and beyond and you know that's really really fascinating stuff to me so yeah hearing the uh, the comparison there and the things that you've experienced that that's just right right up my alley so very very cool so um, you created the void for those that may not know about what the void is can you explain it a little bit to kind of give them a background before we start talking about jump itself absolutely uh, the void concept was came from me being on the Hollywood set and seeing uh, actors touching physical objects that match digital objects so. We had this one scene we were doing where the the uh, girl that we were working with, the actress, she was walking around, um, you know, a, on a blue screen, and she was in a a digital world that I, that I created that was a um, a lighthouse, and we had set up like a little bit of a railing that was all blue that she could go over and touch the railing and put her arms on the railing that we matched mm-hmm. to the virtual set, and 
that was what the void was all about was matching taking a virtual environment and matching it with a physical environment so you could walk around in the same space you could feel it you could touch it you could be in that space physically but the space could then be visually anything that you wanted um and that's where i initially started was with entertainment and being kind of like the movie theater of the future of being able to walk around with your friends and family and explore and go on an adventure together and we did um you know walking virtual reality simulation where four people could go in at the same time and you could see each other you could hear each other with the microphones and you were going mm -hmm. on an adventure and we did uh content with disney where we you could go into star wars and fight darth vader and go on a mission there and we did wreck it ralph and avengers and we also worked with sony and did a ghostbusters experience which was my favorite because at the end um, I got to battle the state puff marshmallow man with my kids and we, you know, when, it, when we finally defeated him, we could smell marshmallow in the, in the air. So we ended up uh, implementing a lot of physical effects that matched with the visuals and that actually yielded something that I didn't expect. Right. So is that what made it different from other virtual experiences? Because obviously, you know, there are several companies that have gone out to do this type of thing. Like what was it that made the void so different from other virtual experiences? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's kind of where hyper-reality came from. Uh, that's not a term that I created or anything. It was actually created by a French uh, philosopher in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. um, you can look it up, um, but it's a, a fake world or a digital world, a virtual world that is so real to reality that you your mind doesn't know the difference. And so what we had done with the void is we we'd cross kind of a line, even with virtual reality. Um, and so when people that knew virtual reality were coming up our experience and we're saying, that's not even virtual reality. I don't know what that is. And what the biggest right. difference, well, there's a lot of big differences when you walk through, and there's a lot of stuff that I know now that I didn't know back then. Um, your mind triangulates space when you walk around space. So naturally we were doing that. So if you walk from one side of the room to the other side of the room, your mind can actually triangulate space correctly, which is massive right. when it comes to uh, motion sickness and a whole bunch of other things. But the simple fact that we were providing information to your body that synchronized with the visuals and audio, my hypothesis is through the whole thing, we were we were crossing a line where you were creating a memory uh, at that point that was just like reality, where virtual reality doesn't have necessarily the ability to do that because you have too many evidences that your body isn't experiencing that won't allow you to make those connections just like a memory would, right? So, right. and that's one of the reasons why you have VR sicknesses. If you think about it, if you only had visuals and audio, um, your mind is thinking it's just a hallucination because it doesn't have anything else to say, hey, this is actually happening. Uh, it would say, uh, you ate some weird mushrooms and you probably need to get rid of that because you're hallucinating. <laughs> um, and so that's where a lot of that comes from. So it was totally accidental. We didn't know that we were doing this and it opened this door to, holy cow, if we're actually creating a memory, like this is, this is massive. What other things could we do? Like what other meaning, exp meaningful experiences could we have in that scenario where you have somebody in that state? So, so you're saying that adding those additional, um, experiences not just the sight and the sound is keeps you from getting sick because that's that's definitely one of the issues i've had with with virtual reality stuff i yeah <clears throat> i fly drones and as you and i have talked about i fly drones and i've tried doing fpv 
but I get so sick trying to do FPV, the movement and yes. standing still while you're trying to fly a moving. It, it, yep. it just... That's because your brain is looking at what's visually going on and there's no evidence that you're actually moving that fast. There's no wind. Right. There's no, there's nothing happening. And so your body is just kind of like you are hallucinating. You're on some kind of weird flying trip. <laughs> you, need to, you need to stop it. Um, you know, for instance, in the jump simulator, we push like 50 to 60 miles an hour wind at you. It's enough wind to convince you that you're actually flying. And when that is turned off, I'm actually really sensitive to virtual reality that isn't synchronized with physical effects. So I get sick really quick. So I'm actually a really, really? good benchmark for everything that I create because I'm like, no, it has to be this <laughs> in order for my mind to believe this is happening. So, <laughs> um, but that that's really what it was is we, we mitigated the sickness because we were matching enough physical senses for your whole body to interpret the reality as real, um, which was one piece. But then also the added advantage is I, I literally have a memory of fighting state pup marshmallow man with my kids and, and defeating him. That's different than going to watch, than going to watch Ghostbusters, right? Like right. I remember going to watch Ghostbusters with my kids, but I don't remember how I felt when I saw that it didn't happen to me, but in, in the void, it was happening to you. And so you created a, you, I, I believe that you created a, a memory at that point. Your brain doesn't know otherwise to, to yeah, your brain. It it's was like, actually yeah, something that happened. This looks real. It feels real. So it's real. You know, I, I still quote from the matrix. Um, that's kind of fun where Neo touches the back of the couch in the white scenario room thing. And he says, is this real? And Morpheus says, well, what is real? If real is what you can see, taste and touch. Then real is just electrical impulses in your brain, which is absolutely true. So if we're doing all of those things and it is real, then, you know, if it feels real, looks real, then it's real fascinating that's very interesting so in a in a simplified um to use a hollywood term elevator pitch version version how do you describe jump to people when they ask you what it is um what i would would describe then when we were doing the void too is if you've ever had a realistic dream of x this is the place where you go and do that <laughs> so if you've ever had a realistic dream of you know fighting Darth Vader or being in Star Wars, then I know the place for you to go to. It's, you know, you could talk about virtual reality and hyper reality and concepts that people don't really understand, but most people have had a very realistic dream of flying and jump is where you would go have that. Jump is a one-to-one to reality uh, base jumping experience. You walk up to the edge and uh, you stand on the edge. You can feel the wind coming over the edge. You can smell the sagebrush or pine trees. And he'd have to trust fall off and fly. <laughs> Which is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious what you've been working on this for several years. What was it that sparked the idea specifically for jump, for the skydiving, um, for the wingsuit jump? Where did that idea come from? How did that come about? And and how did you start off with such a massive project as you kind of started figuring out what was going to be required to do this, to pull this off? Like, yeah. That's where a, did you start from? Yep. Um, you know, it, it all kind of happened when I was creating the void and we were seeing a lot of success at that time and it's hyper reality simulation that we've created. And I was actually on a, a camping trip with my good friend, Marshall Miller, who's a professional wingsuit base jumper, um, extreme right. athlete. And we were sitting around the fire and I was talking to him about jump and how, or uh, I was talking about the void and how cool it is when we're doing these virtual simulations that feel so real 
and I was showing a couple of videos and he's like, Oh, let me show you something too. And he pulled up his videos and him wingsuit jumping in like this was Alpus or something. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. I wish I could experience that. And I'm pretty sure my wife was sitting next to me and she's like, you're never doing that. <laughs> so, um, that conversation. As my wife has done. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and for a lot of people, that conversation, you know, from there kind of spun out around the campfire about how we could actually pull that off. And, I drew some sketches of a suspension system and a wind system and, and how you could convince the person that they were actually flying it. That's where the, that's where the idea came from. It evolved over time from, yes, we could absolutely create this, uh, this feeling of flight and experiencing wingsuit base jumping. But I would say our purpose has evolved from that point, just through my experiences with the void and what jump, is is more of a more meaningful experience to what the void was the void was completely just for entertainment's sake but i can't help one of the things i got fascinated with was when people came out of the void they were open to new possibilities there they were almost like they were reborn to reality we, we had the saying that adults went in one side and kids came out the other side i watched these you know executives and uh you know famous people go through one side as adults and they came out 16, 17 year old kids again, and they were open to any possibility you could talk to them about. And it was like, wow, what is going inside of this, inside of the simulation? What have we created? And so yeah. I started looking at what would be, you know, what is the most benefit or the most unobtainable type of experience? And then how could that impact individual? And that's where jump gets really, really cool. So, so in real life, you've never been skydiving or, wingsuit jumping no i haven't i maybe one day i'll like tandem tandem jump with marshall he's offered several times um <laughs> but that's why i surround myself with people like marshall miller and luke akins uh you know from the red bull team and a few others as they're telling me um they're helping us with the development and telling us that this thing is as real as it can be to real wingsuit base jumping my you know, my right. intention is to build the same memory without any of the risk, right? So it's like, right. I do want to experience that, but there's also like, I do want to be a grandpa, and like, you know, see my grandkids <laughs> one day. And uh, I don't know if that risk is, I'm ready for that risk or, or the training or time or, or money or energy it takes to be able to do that. It's, it's a pretty big diversion from my, my path that I'm on right now. And it would be a big diversion for most people on the planet. Right. And, and as with any, venture like this you have people that are specialists in different areas that can add their own you know talents and skills to a certain area and obviously your background lends to what you're doing and marshall being an expert and very experienced in this can work alongside with you and say yes this is working no this isn't working and this is what we yes. need to do to to make it work and this is how it needs to feel or you know so that's that's yeah that's how it should be and yep. yeah, I mean, you're, you're fulfilling your own kind of thing there of saying, well, I want to do this, but I don't want to die doing it. So I'm going to create a way to do it <laughs> without yeah, putting exactly. that risk into it. Well, that's, that's really cool. And, and if anybody hasn't ever watched any of Marshall's videos online, YouTube or anything, I, I recommend it because it's some pretty amazing, fascinating stuff. He, he's, yeah. I mean, and as with anybody kind of like him, he makes it look easy. It's obviously not easy. There's a lot yeah. that goes into that, but, uh, yeah, very, very, um, entertaining and fascinating stuff to go and watch him, uh, do their, their wing jumps and kind of see the things they do with it. But yeah, for instance, like, um, when we, you know, 
when we went and captured Notch Peak through the process that we're doing with still cameras and doing a actual replica of the world, real world environment, I stood up when I was standing up on the edge with Marshall. Uh, he did a couple of wingsuit jumps just kind of for fun and to capture some footage. Um, mm -hmm. We, he, I talked to him on the edge and I said, what would it take for me to be able to do this in reality, to jump from this place that you're jumping right now and wingsuit fly and pull my parachute and land at the bottom in one piece? And he said a minimum of five years and about 500 jumps out of an airplane and thousands of dollars. Wow. So and, yeah, th th thousands and thousands of dollars, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. In equipment and expense yeah. on flying up in an airplane and the whole thing and all the training. And, you know, I don't know if I'm in for that, but you know, <laughs> we're creating a simulation that'll allow you to do that day one. Oh, so cool. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back and continue our discussion with James Jensen of Jump. The Travel Utah podcast is brought to you today by Merlin Films. Since 2014, Merlin Films has been creating beautiful, entertaining, and engaging marketing and promotional videos for the travel and tourism industry. Focusing on family fun destinations, Merlin Films wants to help spread the word about the cities, counties, resorts, and can't-miss outdoor adventures that are out there waiting to be explored. Whether you're here in the state of Utah or somewhere beyond, let Merlin Films help you show the world what you have to offer. You can find out more about Merlin Films by visiting MerlinFilmsUSA.com. Welcome back, everyone. Today I'm talking with James Jensen, uh, creator of Jump. Okay, so let's talk about the process and logistics of this. You just talked a little bit about what I'm going to talk about here, but when you and I spoke um, and I was touring the facility in Bluffdale that's currently under construction as we speak, I mentioned to you about some of the things that I've worked on in the past, and one of those projects was Millard County, and you just mentioned Notch Peak. Um, and I, I, think, I personally think that Notch Peak is probably, if not the number one, it is in the top three of um, unknown gems in the state of Utah. Um, and as I've been following you on this project, you announced that one of the first environments you'd be making available as part of Jump was Notch Peak. And I was super, super, super excited about that. I've been able to stand at the top of Notch Peak, and I had that exact thought that you were just talking about where I'm standing up on the edge of this, looking out over the West Desert, way, way, way down in the distance, and thinking to myself, how in the world can someone just step off the edge of this? Like, I... I I'd, I'd love for you to tell the listeners how you created that specific digital environment um, of Notch Peak and how does that process work for other locations from around the world um, that you're looking to do? Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great question. And we're really pioneering a whole new way of doing, uh, you know, capturing these locations. Um, we use, um, you know, the data set that you'll see, I guess you call it data set, but the environment that is created is actually done with a helicopter. We take a helicopter out with really high resolution still cameras. There's not video. What you're experiencing jump is not a 360 video that you're on rails and you can't make any decisions. What we, what we've done is we've right. created a digital replica of the whole environment. So in notch peak, we captured 10 square miles and we use a software that uses those still pictures to, um, to figure out the angles to create a three-dimensional replica of the environment, which down to almost a sub-centimeter accuracy. So we're 
we're taking you to the exact same point in the same scale in the same environment um, that will look completely photorealistic and allowing you to then experience that same thing that these guys have done. So for me, it's going to be really weird because I stood up on the edge of Notch Peak and looked off, uh, you know, to the 3000 plus feet uh, into death almost, right? Like if you didn't know what you were doing, you were just jumping off to death. And and I have that memory and and to be able to stand on that edge again in virtual reality to have it feel so real and jump off and experience that I think is going to be incredible. But the technology itself, uh, we're inside of the Unreal Engine. We've got really good support from the Unreal guys and um, Reality Capture, the, the software that does the reconstruction of the environment off of these photos. But they've never done anything that's this massive. So we, we capture a big, massive area, and then you have to break that um, down into digestible chunks for the game engine to actually replicate it as you're flying. But it's it's really cool, and there's a lot of technology now that can make this happen which i'm really excited about yeah and as we talked about yesterday this is one of the things that i am most fascinated with and i and i do i do this on a much smaller scale myself i do 3d modeling um, using drones and um, stitching together still photos that i've taken of a building or a a landscape or whatever to to create a three-dimensional representation and and you just talked about this as well we talked about this yesterday but you know, how to communicate to people that it's different from a 360 photo where you're just standing still and can look around in any direction, but you're standing at one point versus um, this type of experience where it is a an entire three-dimensional world where you can move to any place in that space freely. You can look any direction freely. You're not restricted by where the camera was when it was taken because all of this is stitched together and it's created a, a, an entire environment not just from one point of view. Um, and that's, and that's something that I, I, you know, if you're not necessarily technologically savvy, that, that may be something that you kind of have a hard time differentiating between the two, but that's something that's obviously very important in something like this, that it's, it's not limited by where you're standing or, or anything like that. You are free to move wherever you want. And as you jump off the side, as you're saying, you are able to fly and move and react however you want to and everything in that world and in that space is going to um, be in relationship to that. So I, I just, yeah, the, the whole concept of it and, and the idea behind it just fascinates me. And I'm so excited. I'm like so giddy excited about it. I can't wait to go see this. Well, there's um, a couple so tell of us things to that. There's a couple of things to that too, with, um, with creating these environments at that high res high up resolution where, you know, Blufftail, Utah, you'll be able to go up there and we're going to, we have a process of capturing these locations where we can capture them in a couple of days or bring them back and the, we put them on the machines and the machines do this calculation that does reconstruction. And within mm-hmm. a month or two, we have a, a new environment of a place that would probably be hard for people to get to, you know, in reality, mm-hmm. just because of financial restrictions or travel or, anything right like i've never been to the tenement mountains in china like who is going to go to the tenement mountains in china but our jump team will go to the tenement mountains in china china create a digital replica and you'll be able to experience that in bluffdale we'll go to mount Iger and in uh, sweden and come back with that with that environment and you'll be able to to jump that place and experience what it's like to stand on top of mount Iger at a level that is like nothing anybody can even comprehend <laughs> until you get in there Right. 
Okay, so now I, I want you to tell us about the user experience because you've obviously approached this from a user experience after talking to you. That's, I mean, that's what the goal of this entire thing is. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, tell us a little bit about the technology that's going on, um, that's going into this. It isn't just a wind tunnel. It isn't just being suspended in the air by cables. It's much, much, much more than that. Tell me about the technology that you've developed for this. Yeah, so we, we're trying to touch as many physical senses as possible. So it's it's an, it's it's kind of like an illusion of doing this. But what I've learned over the years is you only really have to create about 20% of a reality in order for your brain to kind of fill in the gaps or, or um, you know, make sense of the things. And your visuals are actually really, really important. Uh, your visual, visuals probably take up 80, 80 to 85% of what the reality is. So um, for instance, you could throw wind at anybody uh, at any direction, but show them a trajectory that is going forward, and they will believe that they're going forward, if that makes sense, just because the visuals are telling them they're going forward. Right. Um, so it's a combination of everything, and that customer experience doesn't just start you know, when you get at the location. It starts a lot sooner than that. So um, let's, let's move into the user experience portion of this. Um, like I said, I know that this is kind of your end goal, that it's just, it's all about the experience for the person that comes and does it. So you walked me through how visitors will proceed from the moment they walk in the door to literally the moment they walk out. Tell us about what they could expect when they come to jump. And then once they're in the pod, as I believe you call it, how have you integrated the sights and the sounds, the sensations that people might feel when they're actually jumping at one of these locations? So I, I kind of asked you two questions at once. Let's just kind of go through the flow <laughs> that you talked about, the experience itself. Sure. The experience itself, um, you know, it starts before you get to the location. Like I said, once you, because we're trying to parallel what this would be like in reality, right? We, you know, when you do a wingsuit jump or you do something like this, there's a whole, you know, planning portion of this and traveling and hiking to the top of the mountain and then suiting up and getting ready and all the anticipation building up to this moment where you're then going mm -hmm. to face your ultimate fear of death and jumping past that and flying, right? And so we're, we are doing a lot of things on the customer experience that mirror that. Um, so you'll get things, you know, right after you purchase your tickets, once everything is all up and running, you'll get stuff that starts prepping you for that, where you're you know, choose preferences. You're choosing what you're going to look like. You're choosing whether you have smoke trails, what point you're going to jump off of. The Notch Peak could have, you know, 10 different jump jump points and you could be jumping out of an airplane and landing on the jump point. So there's a lot of options. You probably will also be able to pick time of day. So you could pick if this is a sunset or if it's in the winter and there's snow or whatever we want to, because we're inside of a digital environment. So you could set all of your preferences ahead of time. Um, get a lot of the kind of mundane things out of the way, like waivers and all that stuff, all the legal things, because you don't want to deal with that once you're at the location. <laughs> um, but then you'll come to, in. To take away uh, from the experience, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like to say that, you know, everything outside of our building is saying, you know, this is 100% safe and it's in virtual reality and it's not real. Uh, as soon as you cross that threshold to go into our physical facility, it's like it's real all the time. Like these are the things that people have to do in order to survive and do this amazing stunt and that progressively gets amplified as you go through the experience. So you check in and then you do kind of last checks with whoever your team is that you brought in with you, whoever's jumping where you're, Oh, I'm going to jump on this side and I'm going to jump on this side and I'll see you at this point. And, and then you go, you know, you go back and watch a instructional video of how people really wingsuit and the equipment that you need to put on. And you'll be putting on a real wingsuit. These wingsuits are made by, 
uh, squirrel that makes professional wingsuits for these athletes. Uh, they made these exact same wingsuits for jump. Um, they're modified in order for the simulator to use them correctly, but they're pretty much like 95, 97% the same. Uh, we just, right. the wind mechanics are a little bit different. So you're putting on a, a wingsuit and a parachute, and then you go from there into the jump phase. And inside of the jump phase, you enter into a room that looks a lot like a transport ship, or it looks like a transport container that you're in, uh, four walls in the ceiling, and you put on a helmet. Um, you don't really see anything at that point on how you're going to fly, uh, which is completely intentional. So you're just putting on a helmet and you're like, all right, how am I going to fly? There's no, I didn't see a wind system. I didn't see anything. And I went to this closet basically and they gave me a helmet. Right. Um, and once you put on that helmet, the environment kind of changes in the physical world and you're able to step past the physical walls that you are just in. And you, you, if you're on the airplane and the back door opens, you'll feel wind gush through and you'll start smelling the environment and you'll step up to where that solid wall was and realize that's gone and that there's actually an edge and your foot can feel the edge and it's lined up. And then that's when the guy says, all right, it's time to jump. Let's do this. <laughs> It'd be the equivalent of me taking you up to the top of Timpanogos with a wingsuit and a parachute and be like, all right, you got this, go for it. You're good. Yep. And then you jump out. Um, and it's a mix between a really awesome uh, suspension system and wind system that we created with other physical effects. And you fly, and like you said, you have complete control over this. We're using, uh, you know, real physics that allow you to uh, articulate the wingsuit to fly left or right or dive or flare up. And we teach you a little bit how to do that while you're flying through the clouds. And then you fly down into where you're doing your proximity flying next to cliff bases and stuff. You fly all the way down there, and then um, eventually we'll have it so you can pull your parachute uh, whenever you want to. But this first version that we'll have out the first of the year will probably just auto-deploy your parachute when you get to that right altitude. So you'll just fly down, auto-deploy your parachute, and you you kind of get yanked back up into a parachute position because we're matching this thing as one-to-one -one as we possibly can. Right. Um, you get yanked up into a parachute position. And then the toggles come down and you can actually control the parachute as you land in landing zone. And when you land back down, we land you uh, back down in the jump bay and your mind 100% believes that you just traveled miles and you were on the edge of death as you were flying these, these cliff faces. And, um, and that's, you know, that's the flying portion of it. It's going to be so fun. But the piece that I get most excited about is actually what we're calling base camp or the moment where you get to, to just kind of take in what just happened. And that's after you desuit, take off all the gear and you walk down and get a drink and you go into a room. And on this, in this room is a huge screen that shows you a GoPro video style of what you just did. So you get to see how you interacted in the environment and, and how you flew the environment. And that video also comes to your cell phone. So you get to have, a real world experience, a real world virtual experience that you get to share with everybody, uh, your friends and family could say, Hey, I just, uh, jumped the 10 minute mountains in a wingsuit this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it will look real and you'll have a real memory of it and you can talk all about it and you can come back and jump again. So, 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 so cool. So I, I have to ask, um, you know, you built a prototype for this back in, I think it was in New Jersey, right? It was, at, yeah, actually out in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Oh, in Pennsylvania. Okay. 
you had to be the guinea pig for a lot of the research and development. You've had some other people come in and test it out for you as well. Um, I, I'm curious if anybody has gone to to do it and got to the edge and like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't jump <laughs> off. Like, have you had that experience yet? We have, and it's, uh, you know, we've only had one person completely back out, but here's the opportunity, <laughs> right? And any other physical experience that you're going to have, whether it's bungee jumping or ropes course or, you know, jumping off the stratosphere in Las Vegas, that's real. And there's, you know, you're just hoping that the the 18 year old, 16 year old kid that's managing the technology, the hardware has done his job and checks all the cables, right? Like, I don't know how many times I've said that we, we put a lot of faith in, in 16 and 17 year olds at yeah. uh, amusement parks and stuff. <laughs> yep. yep. And so right. even if you had like a psychologist on the edge with you and they're like, Oh, you know, all the fear you have in your head is, is artificial. It's like, no, those are real cables and this is a real place. And I'm actually jumping off a real location. And so the mm-hmm. opportunity that you have, if you, you are confronted with that fear barrier for the first time in a, a real feeling environment, you can face that moment and say all of the fear, the hundred percent of the fear that I'm feeling right now is completely artificial. And I right. think that could be a really pivotal moment for people to, um, you know, to make the decision to jump past that. And, you know, that's, you know, a very high level of what some of the things are we are doing with jump uh, past, you know, just the hype of wingsuit and base jumping, but, um, that's that could be a real moment for people, and we're planning for that. We're planning to parallel our customer journey with kind of the hero's journey, where you're called to the adventure. And you know, the first time, most people deny that. They say, "Oh, that's, that's too much. I can't do it." But then they yeah. absolutely think about it. They come back. They step up to the edge, and they jump. So cool. And what what has the reaction been from those those people that have been able to come and experience it for themselves already? Um, it's been pretty incredible and it really depends on who the person is, if they're scared of heights, if they're not scared of heights, but overall, everybody that's come out to this, which has ranged from, you know, 14 year old kids to 75, 76 year old adults, um, Mm -hmm. that would never be able to do this jumping. Some of them come out crying. Some of them come out just overwhelmed with, um, you know, excitement and fulfillment. Um, I had one gentleman that was part of one of our videos that jumped and he came out and he was like, I've had a childhood dream of flying like Superman and you just delivered it. And he was like on the edge of tears (laughs) and almost every single person that comes out says, I need to do that again. And one of the cool things on the, I need to do that again scenario that jump provides is since it is so dynamic in the environment and it's an open world and you can fly anywhere you can think of it kind of like snowboarding or skiing off of a resort where you do a run and you see your buddy do something cool on the trees and hit a jump and you're like, Oh, I want to do that next time I come down. And that is the exact same thing we've created inside of this digital world. Man. So, I mean, is this the type of thing that in your partnership with Marshall that he, has he ever mentioned this might be a good way to help train people to do this type of thing in the real world? You know, potentially I initially I was like, um, there's no way, like it's not realistic or we're not going to get there. But since we've had Marshall involved and other professional athletes, uh, Hartman, uh, that came on to, uh, to, um, Hartman Richter that came on to our developer, uh, team, he's actually a professional athlete and he's a, a hardcore programmer. So he was doing like physics engine stuff to predict, to do, uh, predictions on whether or not he could jump 
these physical locations based off of physics. And then he would go out and jump the locations. He was doing it just to see, you know, can I actually make this work in reality? And so he built his own simulators uh, through uh, the programming he was doing. And we brought him onto the team and he's, you know, he's getting to a point where he's like, Hey, this is, this is, this is real. Like we're getting really close. And I think there's things that I would love to try inside of the simulator that I would never try in reality. And since we're using real physics, we can we can we can get super close to what it would really be like to be in that situation and to see if you could get down low enough or close enough and then pull out of it and then fly over the top. Right. Uh, stuff that right. these guys don't these guys don't stand up on the edge of the cliff and say, I think I can make it like they <laughs> they do yeah, stuff yeah. That they know they can do. Right. But inside of jump, it gives them the opportunity to explore things and and also uh, go to locations where it would might be impossible for them to jump or, you know, illegal for them to jump these locations and in, in different parks and stuff. Right. And I have to imagine that a lot of the places they go to are, there are legal issues with a lot of, and the, the, they kind of sneak themselves up there and, and this creates an opportunity for them to do it otherwise. But yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of a fascinating uh thing to hear about that somebody that is very involved in the sport is actually also going through the programming side of it and trying to merge those and have a meet in the middle. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's what, one of the things we really want to focus on too, is making this as realistic as possible to the professionals and then backing it all the way off for beginners and then having the progression through the whole simulation from going from a beginner to a professional level inside of a simulation. So you know, when you come jump for the first time at jump, you're gonna we're gonna give you the basic wingsuit that allows you to, you know, do a good job and not crash into stuff and kind of flies a little bit better and has really good glide ratios and you always make it out to the landing zone. Uh, you'll feel like you have complete control of what you're doing, but we've we've put some constraints or training wheels on the virtual environment to allow you to do a good job. But that's okay that's just a beginner level. Like we can take you all the way up to professional level where you're getting wingsuits to fly faster and do different types of things that allow you to, uh, you know, move around in the environment um, a lot with a lot more fidelity, maybe mm -hmm. even let you crash. <laughs> to learn your lesson. Yeah. yeah. So the facility is under construction, as I mentioned in, in Bluffdale, uh, you'll be building more locations as well. But when will this be up and running and where can people go to stay up to date on any announcements as far as the grand opening and to purchase and schedule a visit? Yeah, we actually just launched our new website. It's at uh, limitlessflight.com and you can go out there and you can purchase tickets online. Uh, we'll be opening our reservation system as soon as we have Utah open to the public, which will be the first quarter of next year. Um, unfortunately, we've experienced some delays on manufacturing and shipping and so we weren't able to meet our goals for this year, but it will be next year right. for sure since we're building out. Um, Utah will be technically, you know, a, the one of the first locations for you to jump at, but um, it's not really a public facility. It's more of our corporate office that has two jump bays. At, at our corporate office, you can jump two people at a time so you can see each other and you can hear each other on the microphones and you can jump and race or whatever you want to do in the environment. At our public location that will be at um, in New Jersey at uh, American Dream, that one has six jump bays, so six people can jump at the same time, um, or in different combinations of groups or all solo, and different places. But 
Um, we're hoping to have another location like that in Utah, and then we're gonna we'll be expanding to like other locations uh, domestically throughout the next couple of years. We have a lot of opportunities, great partners coming now. So your your goal at this point, and like you said, with the delays and things, which uh, I mean, I don't know if there's an industry that hasn't been affected by um, that right now, but um, your your goal is to be opened and, and operational um, in I think you said February. Is that correct? Yep, that's that's correct. We'll be uh, okay. we're going to be finished. The location in Bluffdale will be pretty much finished by the end of December, and we're going to start doing testing on these new rigs and making sure or, or the flight bays and making sure that they're uh, we're we're connecting them correctly with multiplayer mechanics and the new Notch Peak data set, um, mm-hmm. and polishing up the user experience through January, and then we're hoping to hit you know sometime in February to allow the public to come in and, and try it out. So, so, so cool. I, uh, yeah, I am so excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see how, how this all uh, turns out. And I'm very excited to go and see it for myself and, and try it one of these days. So James, I, I, uh, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about this. Uh, like I said, I mean, this is different from what we typically do on the show, but in reality, what we're, we're hoping to do is let people know about, things to go out and do in Utah. And this absolutely is one of those things. And it's, it's a Utah based business and company. And so we want to go and support that as well, but it also is allowing you to explore not just Utah, but all over the world from Bluffdale and the other locations you end up opening. So thank you. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to, to talk to us today. I know you've got a lot of things going on and you're probably very busy. So it means a lot that you, you took an hour or so out of your day to come and talk to yeah, me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was, it was great. It was a great conversation and always looking for opportunities to tell people how amazing Utah is and the Absolutely. amazing technology and vision that people have here in our state. And we create the best things in the world here. I agree. I absolutely agree. Both, both natural. We have the some of the best to offer, and absolutely with the skilled people yep. that we have here. So, yep. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll go and visit Jump as soon as you're able to. Have a wonderful day, and let's travel Utah. To subscribe or to find out more information on this and other episodes of the Travel Utah Podcast, please visit travelutahpodcast.com. The Travel Utah Podcast is a production of Merlin Films, LLC.